Welcome back to Court FM. I'm Melinda, your host with my host, Tiana, as well. Hi, everyone. This episode is number three in our series called The 86 List, Canceling Oppressive Behaviors One Conversation at a Time. And just to recap, so our first episode was about speaking and how speaking up is the most effective thing you can do to cancel oppressive behaviors. And the second episode was identifying it, naming it, naming your experience. So this is number three, and we've titled it, So Now What? Okay, what's next? What are the next steps? And the purpose of this episode is so that you're empowered, so that you stay fluid and moving in your life and not stuck and hung up on these often traumatic or deeply troubling situations because you are in charge and it's up to you what you do next. So we're just going to talk about it. Yay. Yay. Best thing (laughs) to do. Um, with, with all of that and it all leads down to just talking about it and seeing where it goes. We say that's kind of our mantra here on the show, um, is just opening up that dialogue and starting, starting the conversation. And of course there's the details on who do you start that conversation with? How do you start that conversation? And, um, and we're going to dive into that. And the first one that Melinda has kind of really made important to me and it's changed my life a little bit too is you know we can think about things over and over and over again and try to get the details right but if we write it down Mm -hmm. and get the facts straight first that is huge yes I mean I think we've all been there where facts can get lost in the feelings of it all especially with deep feelings um traumatic feelings or highly emotional scenarios if we're not clear on the facts I think they can be misconstrued or we may feel like this happened but maybe it didn't happen that way so writing it out is our ability to choose the words this is what happened maybe separating fact from feeling just for a short minute so we can identify what happened. And then after we have the facts laid out, let's talk about how we feel about it. So mm-hmm. making sure that there is a separation if we're if we're talking about something that's deeply troubling. Especially something that needs, needs an outcome and a solution. Um, if you're going through, you know, what we've been talking about, some sort of harassment or mm-hmm. belittlement or whatever the case may be, if you can write down the facts and write down, you know, uh, unbiasedly what had happened to you yeah, and present that to, especially an authority figure, it's so different talking to a friend versus, you know, an authority figure yeah. and a man- manager. So that's when the facts are so important to get down so you can come collected and say, hey, this this is a real life thing that happened to me. Here's the proof of it. Here's the explanation that's clean and cut and straightforward. Yeah. What can we do about it? Yeah. And I think it's important to identify what kind of relationship it is too. I mean, I know when I'm talking with my partner, sometimes he's less cons- – this is how much he loves me. <laughs> he's no, He knows I'm an expressive person. He loves my enthusiasm. Like he loves this about me. So I don't ever have any fear like I have to dial it down or tighten it or whatever. He lets me be. Um, Because usually after I've expressed my time, that's usually when the truth comes out too. Like 
after a couple pages of writing, you know, then I really get down to what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. But knowing what kind of relationship it is, because people who do love you wholeheartedly and unconditionally, they're not going to be as concerned about the facts when it comes to you and them, because how you feel actually matters to them. Whereas a formal relationship and a professional relationship, the facts absolutely do matter because it is not personal, it's professional. So knowing what relationship you're dealing with and then responding and writing it out in ways that are helpful for that relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's a hard one for me to juggle because I feel like I'm in a relationship with everybody. Um, if, uh, anybody listening knows me personally, you know, that I kind of dive in real fast, real quick. Cause I just, I see the light and the spark in people and that's my passion is their spark. So as soon as I meet someone that I kind of fall in love with, I want to know what that spark is. Yeah. So whether it's, you know, business or, you know, when I'm working at the resort or, just someone I run into, I'm like, friend, friend mode. Yeah. You know, and it's not always about the feelings. Like you're saying, there's definitely a time and a place that you do have to get your facts straight. And mm-hmm. not everyone is a personal relationship with you, which is hard for me because I'm such an emotional person. But <laughs> yeah. But when you have these tools and the right support as well, it, it becomes a lot easier. And yeah. And I think that is the power of paper too. I mean, we've said this before, like to be able to write out um, how you're feeling without any fear. Like paper doesn't say to you, hey, erase that word, choose another one. No, you get to write anything and everything of how you feel about a situation, what happened from your perspective. There's no editing. There's no critiquing when you're writing it out. It's for you. It's for you to develop your thoughts, to develop your feelings about how you feel. I mean, I have a general rule that I I don't even know how I feel about something after I've written three pages about it. Mm -hmm. Or I say the same thing about, I need three days. And then I'll tell you how I feel about something because I have to process. I'm a reflective processor. But there's an importance in naming. Like we said last time, you have to name it. You have to choose the word. And then maybe keep choosing the word until the word fits and that it's right. I think sometimes we do a disservice when we generalize. So, well, my, my social group did this. Or my church did that. The church did this. I've heard that so many times. I mean, I grew up in a religious background, so there's always people hurting or wounded from these churches and religious groups. But I feel like that is such a generalization. Instead of saying, the ministry director's husband did this. Yeah, You know, you're identifying, you're putting, it's like when you, when you say these generalizations, these umbrella terms of groups and businesses and organizations, you're letting this person who did the offense kind of run off and hide between some ambiguous, vague uh, front. Yeah. And then on the other end of that as well, that one person is, you know, giving the whole organization a black eye, yeah, which is not fair to the organization, no matter what they are capable of or what they're doing. When you're talking about one specific person and what they did to mm-hmm. you, say that person's name. Say their name. Yeah. What's that song? Ooh. <laughs> say my name. Say my name. Yeah. <laughs> Miss, Miss uh, Destiny's Child. Yeah. Destiny. <laughs> yeah. I think that's 
it's important. It's important to actually say their name so that you disassociate that person from an organization because that's how organizations, yes, they can get into deep trouble for things like that, but it can also just be between you and that person. Yeah. And I think in some occasions it can feel safer to do those generalizations. I think that's why it happens so often. Mm -hmm. Um, because when you're saying one person's name, that's a direct threat, I think. I mean, but who I, are we protecting? Right. Who right. are we really protecting? Right. We're protecting an abuser. Yeah. We're protecting a harasser by using general terms like that. Yeah. And that's not helpful to ourselves. We're not even right. getting real with ourselves. Like Truly. And we spoke about this in the last podcast that um, when you – speak up, you're creating an opportunity for growth on all sides of the perspective and all sides of what had just happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And for yourself, for the person that did this to you, and for the organization who's backing up that person as well. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that should be a consideration for an organization. But if we don't name it and identify the person and bring it to the organization with clarity and facts, then it can be uh, too vague to be dealt with. And mm-hmm. a lot of times you become the problem because you've spoken up about something. So, you know, that's the response portion, which is going to be in number four, mm-hmm. episode number four, which is afterwards what happens after you speak up about it. But yeah. this is, you know, how, how are we getting it out? What is our next step? So the first one was writing it out. Mm -hmm. Um, Number two is to tell someone. Who you tell matters. There's a difference between knowing you need to just talk to a friend or knowing you need to go to an authority. Right. And I think that's that's a really difficult thing to figure out for a traumatic situation Mm -hmm. because you're so clouded with what had happened to you. You're clouded with what other people are going to think if you tell people mm-hmm. whether they believe you or not, or if you're dramatizing the situation, um, you're scared about how the other person's going to react, how the person that did this to you is going to react. But using these tools, writing it down, doing the facts, that'll prepare you to tell somebody yeah. in the most opportunistic way that will benefit you. Yeah. And if you think about it, who is the first person that you talk to about this? It's ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's what we tell ourselves about these situations that usually have the first send off for us into whatever direction we go. And so we will just head into our little Q&A from Instagram. Our question was... What was our question? <laughs> we uh, we posted this on our story a couple <clears throat> weeks ago uh, just to start a dialogue and see what other women in the community um, could think of and help us and what their perspectives were because that's what we're in the business of is finding and learning about all perspectives. So the question was, if you could go back to a vulnerable or disempowering moment in your life, what would you whisper to yourself? Because that's our first step. That's our first response to any experience is what we're telling ourselves either in that moment or in our reflective process afterwards. So what were some of the responses we got? This one was my personal favorite and it's actually someone I love dearly. Um, Short and sweet, this will not define you. Mm. 
And I love that. This will not define you. Yeah. And that's huge because I, for a long time, put myself in victim mode and I had all these limiting fears that I would never be more than what happened to me, mm-hmm. that I, you know, I would be stuck in this lifestyle and this mindset and this victim, victim mode, but I'm not a victim. Right. I have been in moments. Yeah. But I survived them. That makes me a survivor. It makes me a woman. It makes me Tiana. Yeah. You know, so. It makes you Tiana. I love that so much. (laughs) Like, this is what makes me me. Like, this is it. These moments are part of my journey, but they don't define me. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Tiana is not the woman who was blank. Whatever. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm just Tiana and I have all these experiences and I've learned from them, but yes. yeah, what else, what else can you do? There was another that? one um, that said, you are setting boundaries because you respect yourself. That's hard. I'm so proud. Can you imagine like telling yourself this in the moment or at least having someone whisper this into your ear <laughs> in that moment? Like mm-hmm. talk about like, we need to be empowering ourselves more often, like speaking these things to ourselves, these mantras. Or, or another one was be more kind to yourself. Like those, ugh, I just love it. I do too. And just just in the last couple of weeks, uh, back to the be, be proud of yourself one. Yeah. For me personally, that is one of the best things I can hear is when someone is proud of me. Mm. Um Pride is huge and yeah. and you can use pride in many different ways. You know, it can be sometimes pride gets the best of us and it, and it, it can be a bad thing. But when you're proud of yourself for handling things a certain way, you know, you don't have to wait for mom and dad to say, hey, I'm proud of you. You can tell that to yourself. Oh, and that's yeah. something I didn't really figure out until just recently. But that one's that one's really big and important to me. It's like this idea of at some point in your life, you need to be your own mother, Mm -hmm. you know, like you need to be the one saying, good job, sweetie. You got this, honey. Like (laughs) your little pep talks in the morning in front of the mirror, whatever it is, like maybe it's things you never heard before growing up that you wished you would heard. And now you get to say them to yourself. Like you're your own mother. Mm-hmm. I love that so much. Like it's, that's empowering in itself. Like I can be, you know, feeling like I have this hole because I haven't had all these people say or root me on in these certain ways, but that's where I get to do that for myself. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, back to who, who we need to talk to. I think mm. that that just goes back to our first step too, is the the first person you need to be having this conversation with is yourself. And then depending on how that goes and how you can find facts and find the most straightforward way to present your situation, that's when you get to decide what kind of person you're speaking about this event to, whether it is an ally, a friend, or someone in management or someone, you know, the pastor or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But I think what's most important too in these moments is to recognize that you're the only one who can make that decision. I think people around you who love you and support you want to help you make that decision. But ultimately, if you want to go formal and authoritative, you need to do that for yourself. 
-hmm. If you don't want to, if you want to process this and sit on it for a while and maybe get some counseling and have the time you need, that's for you to decide. No one can tell you what the best option is for you in those moments or in a reflective time after. That's the decision that you get to make. And you, you don't need to be shamed for any decision you make, whether it's speaking up or just speaking to a counselor. You, that's your decision. That's your right. And you're choosing that based on what you know is best for yourself. And just emphasizing that as well as no one can choose how the situation made you feel as well. No one can choose that. No one. Only only you get to decide if you were uncomfortable, mm -hmm. if you felt violated, if you felt like that was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. That's your decision. And we are here to give you all the empowerment to make that decision for yourself. Hear that again. Yes. That's your decision. That's your decision. And that's why even step number one, writing it out, when you write it out, maybe even before you've processed it all and really had the emotions settle in and sink in, to write it out, if you think about it, when you are ready to tell someone, you can go back to that piece of paper that was written out in the moment and be recollected of what everything happened that day. Like every step, if you write out the facts, this happened, then this happened, and this happened, then this happened. And in even just emitting feelings and just the facts, you have a record of that now. And that can go to an employee. It can go to a police officer. Instead of filing out a whole new report where you have to now go back and remember the situation, you've already had it written out. I think that's extremely good advice, especially for situations that are reoccurring, mm. that are small. You know, like say hypothetically your boss is making elusive comments about your body mm. and they're not straightforward. They're not, they're just awkward, but they're not black and white harassment. Mm -hmm. Keep track of it. Oh my gosh. Write everything down. And when there's, totally. when there's more than one, bring it up, do something about it. But that's genius. I mean, there was, I mean, there was a time in high school actually that there was something like that going on with me. And when you're in the moment and you're heated and someone's like, I didn't do that. Give me an example. You can't. You right. Know? Yeah. Your it's flustering. Just like, mm -hmm. I'm so upset and I feel interrogated and I'm the one hurt here. Why am I getting yeah. interrogated? You know, but when you have the tools and you've, you've prepared to say, this wasn't fair, this wasn't fair. When this happened, this made me feel this way. You know, they can't tell you how to feel. So when they hear that, they're just going to be, they're either going to say, you're a liar, that's BS, or they're going to realize, wow, I didn't realize that made you feel that way. And I, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, best case scenario. And I think that's the beauty of a paper trail because it's not personal. It's actual dated accounts of what happened. Um, a woman who I met once told me that she keeps a notebook in her bottom drawer of her desk and she calls it her parking lot. And that's where she throws in all these experiences at her work. And it can be one page is just all of her great ideas after a meeting or something. So she puts it in this parking lot until <laughs> someday that she wants to go back and see what's there and kind of make, make something out of it or form it into something. Mm -hmm. But then to also do that with either inappropriate comments, behaviors, date them, put the name of who said it. And if you responded in any way, write that out too, so that you have a track record of what's happening. And I think it's even better now with 
with our phones and technology because it can really um, date stamp it on any note you create mm-hmm. so that you can go back and say, why would I make this up on this date a year ago? Like this is this is what happened a year ago. And yeah. Yeah. And I think with situations like these, personally, you know, I go, I hate that I even have to do this. Mm-hmm. I hate mm-hmm. that this is a thing, okay. you know, but you have to keep in mind that just goes back to that this is this is work you have to do not only to grow for yourself but to provide that opportunity and that's that's where you know the the strength comes in do you yeah. want to do you want to do you want to change what's going on do you want to provide your community with this growing opportunity to be better to change and it's harder than it sounds we're making it sound pretty easy i know <laughs> um but just taking the extra steps and the extra time to sit with your thoughts and the facts can make a world of difference. It has in my own life, and then I'm sure it has in Melinda's as yeah. well. You know, yeah. I think that's probably why it's easier for us to talk about it because we've talked about it a lot. Yeah. But um, this is this is important. This, this is the work. Yeah. This is the work because really, my hope is that my daughters don't have to deal with this as as much Mm -hmm. that men or women who behave in these inappropriate ways have started to wake up that people are paying attention. We're paying closer attention. So one, this isn't going to keep happening as much as it has in the past because now we have phones. Now we have recording systems and now we have um, very empowered women who are like, "Uh, nope, this isn't happening anymore. And that's beautiful. That's part of human development. But when you think about how much opportunity uh, for advancement in our own lives is held back because of having to deal with these situations, Mm -hmm. I mean, can't we just evolve? Can't we just, (laughs) you know, but we can't evolve without the practices. Yeah. So that's that's what we're. But I would prefer our practices of evolution to be beyond this crap. Like yes. I wanna <laughs> I wanna know how to teleport and things like that in my yeah. mind and not be worrying about the harassment and oppression or, you know, no. inappropriate situations. Yeah. But exactly. Bottom line, we sh- we shouldn't <laughs> have to be worrying about this. It's it's not fair. But it it's it's the reality and it's the perspective that we deal with. And right. so how do we navigate it in the most effective and positive way possible? Right. Right. And so I think even just in the news last week, hearing about, you know, a a state legislator representative of Idaho had talked about women, like, (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? We're both rolling our eyes right now. (laughs) Can you hear us rolling our eyes? (laughs) The reference was made to women being being at home with their children. And if there was some um, pre-K grant federal grant money given to our our children then mothers would be let out of the house it would be more easy and accessible for women to get out of the house and i'm so that's kind of the joke in our house like who let the women out who <laughs> <laughs> or like you know i leave a room and i'm like i'm out of the room i've left the room like we just joke now because it's so absurd because that's it's just sexism such an, that yes, is sexism it's just a, such an outdated way of thinking like <laughs> Why do our genitals have any oh control over our roles in society? Oh, 
anymore. It's it is 2021. Baptism. It is just wild to me. Yeah. And what's insane too is I I personally know men that want to stay home and take on that maternal quote yeah. unquote maternal role, but it's a paternal role, you know? Yes. It's there's no there's no gender roles anymore. Yeah. You know, if a if a man wants to cook and clean and take the kids to the park while mom goes and makes the bread and brings it home and that works for them. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's a, just a beautiful balance. So for some man in a great place of power to speak that over the women in this state, how inappropriate. That's it's, inappropriate. It's very embarrassing. Yeah. I think it's very embarrassing for Idaho because really like all of my friends who live in other states <laughs> are just laughing about it like oh my gosh i'm so sorry i'm mm -hmm. so sorry for you that you that your state hasn't evolved but it's also like you said it's a great opportunity so this is a plug now for any woman who's looking to run for state representative like we need you women we need you and men we need you we need um, the you know masculine men who are just also feminists and who yeah. also cheer women on. Yeah. We need you in these positions of leadership. We need more women who are strong, empowered women in positions of leadership. Otherwise, we're going to keep having to fight these laws that are created and delegated by sexist people. And this is just... <sighs> okay, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so our third point is, first, we write it out, right? Number two was tell someone. And number three is is it time to file a report? So maybe you've told your boss and nothing happened. Well, what do you do? You're not at a dead end. Go to HR, go to the CEO, go to the other person there, go to the person who lives out of state but owns the company. Like whatever you need to do, you can always go above the person who did nothing, who did not support you, who didn't coach you on what to do next in your organization or place of work or worship. You can always go above. So keep looking up, keep your chin up and don't get stuck because that is kind of oftentimes what people want you to do. Right. If, if you can just be ignored long enough, you'll go there. They hope you go away. They hope just you get quiet. You under the rug. They hope you just hide out under that rug. And I am, I'm the last person that people want to deal with when it comes <laughs> to these things because I can be very annoying. I just don't think it's okay to let things go. So knowing who to go to with a report, um, whether it's a boss or a police, or safe passage as well. Safe there's passage. there's outside organizations that can um, give you opportunities and resources to most effectively deal with these situations as well. Mm -hmm. When sometimes, you know, maybe management is scary or you think that management won't do anything about it. Maybe it's management doing the harassing and then there's no one above that. So what do you do after that? You know, it's, that's where the police come in. Or Well, there's always a risk when you tell someone who has something to lose. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. When you tell the pastor that one of his ministry leaders did something, he's now sitting there with this potential threat to his livelihood, his tithes, his, his congregation who may leave. When you tell these things to your CEO, he now has to sit with the weight of 
are you going to sue my company and make me go bankrupt? Like when people have something to lose, the last thing they want to do is face you on it and fight you on it. Right. There's too much at stake. So what I love about Safe Passage is it's non-biased. They have nothing to gain by you speaking up or not speaking up. They are literally just there for you to help you walk yourself through the process and make the best decision for you. That's great. Kind of like Planned Parenthood. They just sit with you and they let you talk and say what you need to say. And then they help support you in your decision. I love all these <laughs> women's organizations. Me like. too. Me too. And then on that note as well, um, I'd like to offer us being those ears to be listening mm. as well. You know, if there's a situation that maybe you've already done something about, but you still need to talk about it because you believe that other people are experiencing the same thing and they mm-hmm. can relate to you and your strength is in your vulnerability, get on this podcast come over here. Let us share your story and share your power. Yeah. And even if you just need to speak about it anonymously, without identifying people in businesses, like we said, we are canceling behaviors. So to talk about your circumstance and situation and have it be revolved around a behavior can really help other people identify those similar behaviors that maybe they didn't know were inappropriate. Mm -hmm. I think that's how we educate each other too, is telling our stories and Absolutely. Yes. And on that note, Melinda, would you, uh, Melinda put together four ways Mm. of, for us to be the most supportive ally and friend when friends come to us and need to talk to us because it's one thing to have a story and need to tell it. It's another thing to hear that story and we can hear, we can make our assumptions. We can quote unquote, listen, but are we doing the right thing for their best interest? You know? Yeah. So this was compiled by Vanderbilt University, their medical center, in how to be the top four ways to be a supportive friend in these kind of conversations about inappropriate behaviors or oppression or harassment. And the first thing is to acknowledge their pain. Don't minimize it. Don't get flustered or don't get your feathers ruffled because they've used intense language. Let them feel it. Let them say it and name it and express it however they need to. Just acknowledge their pain. They're hurting. They're frustrated. They're concerned. They're angry. They're pissed. Like, let them. Yeah. And I mean, it can be something as simple as not necessarily saying anything, but feeling with them, having that empathy, you know, crying with them. Or even just all you have to say is, I hear you. Mm. I hear you. Mm -hmm. Yep. Number two is... Let them decide when, what, how they share. So if you're aware of the situation, just saying, let me know when you're ready to share. And when you're ready to share, only share what you feel comfortable sharing. You know, I think we can get, it's good to get curious and ask questions and help draw it out, but be very mindful of the how, the when, the what they share. Don't pressure Like that's just be a good friend and don't pressure. Yeah. I mean, you just have to think of your friend in in a situation as like a scared animal. Like you, Mm. you have no idea how, what's, what's going on inside their body and their heart and their mind. 
the strength it takes to even say this out loud, let mm-hmm. alone to another person mm-hmm. and what their perception of it's going to be. So you have to keep in mind that this person is terrified talking to you. So just keep your ears open and let them express this on their own terms. Mm-hmm. A friend of mine referred to it one time as feeling like an animal whose leg was stuck in a trap. Mm-hmm. And so anyone coming near, you're like, oh my God, I'm vulnerable. I'm, I'm, if you're a wolf and I'm a ferret, I'm going to die. Right. Right. So if you, if there's not a sense of safety, someone's not going to feel comfortable around you or, or even just going into that situation, knowing that they may feel trapped right now in their own emotions or because of the situation. And that feeling of trapped creates a lot of primal responses that are very animalistic. And we Mm -hmm. have to be careful with each other and let each other be, be that human nature, let it come out. Yeah. Um, number three is it's okay to express anger or sadness. And that's how we validate one another's experiences is to be okay to come alongside them. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so we were talking earlier about this <laughs> and I was telling Tiana that I've had women say to me after I've shared something hey, this happened, or hey, I'm feeling this because of that, and this person did this, that they their response was, well, I don't want to take a second party offense. <laughs> a second party offense. So that means I don't want to be inconvenienced or look at that other person differently because of your experience, which completely devalues any of the moment that I shared speaking about it. I mean, you're basically telling someone you're not worth it to me <laughs> to, right. to cause me to get upset about this. I'm just going to be neutral. I'm going to be, you know, that's great for a mediator. But if you're someone's friend and you care that they were traumatized in some way, it's okay to be sad for them. Especially... If you start the conversation, you hear their whole story, and then you respond with, I can't do anything about this. Could you imagine? Oh, I, I can't imagine. <laughs> and that's what the problem is. Yeah. Yeah. You've experienced yeah. that. I I haven't. I, I don't know. I That just, that hurts. I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I haven't experienced that. And feeling the empathy towards you and going through that, it just. Stings. But I think that's a great red flag. So if you hear that as a response, that's a sign that this isn't a safe person. Yeah. This person doesn't have your best interest in mind. Their best interest now is maintaining a relationship with the person who harmed you. Mm-hmm. That's, that is the main interest. So that's a conflict of interest in that moment. So obviously that's... And I think yeah. that scenario right there just perfectly defines the relationship you have with that person. There's your answer. Is that person worth your energy? Right. And I think that's a great wake-up call too. Maybe you thought that that relationship was closer or more intimate or more private or special or Mm -hmm. um, on a higher pedestal than maybe it is. So, you know, rather than being upset with that person, just really knowing, okay, I've just Put a check mark of where we are, mm-hmm. of our level of intimacy and support for each other. And that's, you know, if you can't be that for me, that's great. I just need to know that going forward further. Yeah. And leaning onto that as well, there can be times when you do want to speak to a friend and they 
simply just aren't emotionally capable of mm. hearing you right at this moment. Mm -hmm. So on the other hand, speaking to the friends who are the listeners in these situations, you have to protect your time and your capacity as well. Because when someone's coming to you with a traumatic situation, you don't necessarily need to be doing anything about it, simply just listening. But sometimes listening can be draining depending on what you're going through. Yes. So don't be scared to tell the person who is victimized, who needs to speak to somebody. Don't be afraid to say, hey, I want to hear you. I have things going on right now that make it impossible for me to be the best listener mm. today. Yeah. Can I call you tomorrow? So I can be the best friend I can be. That's so good. That is such the sign of a healthy relationship when we can honor each other's spaces and needs and then also feel safe enough to be honest in mm -hmm. those moments. I just, I've been in so many situations because I am such a caring person mm. and you know, I, people I, are magnetized <laughs> to you. They are, they just are. Thank and that's you. Beautiful. And I love that. I love people. My heart beats for people. Um, but I so often do put myself on the back burner and, you know, I could be going through something, whether I'm, <clears throat> you know, in a bit of my seasonal depression and I can't even navigate my own thoughts, but mm. I'll still hear another person. And that's not fair to that person. That's not mm. fair to my friend who needs to be heard when I'm so distracted with my own shit going on mm -hmm. that I can't even that I'm distracted while they said their last two sentences. And I have to say, can you repeat yourself while they're, you know, crying and hurting and they're like, oh my God, this person's not even listening to me. And of course, those are never my intentions, but because I dove in without the correct capacity to be there for that person, that's not fair to them. That's not fair to me. So that's where you need to step in and just protect yourself and protect that person, protect their feelings and their emotions and their reactions and say, hey, I can be a better friend to you tomorrow when this has settled. Can we can we meet up then? That's so good. Yeah. I love it. And that is as simple as reaching out with a little antenna that says, mm -hmm. hey, I've just had something happen that I need to talk through and it's a little heavy. Do you have time now or could we schedule something in the next day or so? Mm -hmm. I mean, of course, if it's emergency, if it if it's something serious and you need to, don't yeah. ever hesitate. Right. But I think that's such a beautiful um, self-awareness that we can offer each other as friends is to put our feelers out. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I'm wiggling my fingers at Tiana right now because I'm so, <laughs> this is how I work, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we put our feelers out and say, hey, you know, and not in a victimized way, but right. like, I respect you and I honor you and I honor all your wisdom. So do you have a minute? And then you know that person, you know your relationship and then being able to respond like, hey, give me half an hour and I'll call you right back or hold tight or call me right now or um, I'm busy. How about tomorrow night? Let's get together and talk. So really kind of navigating your way forward with that person, but in a, in a gentle way that's honoring of yourself and the relationship. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Such a beautiful balance of just capacity and self-awareness, like you're saying. Yeah. And these are the things of friendship that we don't always learn, mm -hmm. you know? I, We're just... This, this little <laughs> habit I just described to you, I literally just learned this last year. Yes. And I can't tell you how many times I've practiced it and been instantaneously surprised with how receptive and 
just kind people yes. have been. Yes. You know? And I, the same. I mean, a girlfriend of mine a couple months ago was like, I, I kind of just dumped on her and, you know, sent her a couple text messages of like, let me tell you what just happened, you know, blah, blah, blah. And her response was like, I don't have the bandwidth for this right now, but I love you and know that I love you. Can we talk tomorrow? And I was like, ah, shit. <laughs> and I realized that I need to get better at that. Mm -hmm. I need to work on putting my feelers out and making sure that someone else can has a minute. That was just such a good learning lesson. And those are such quality elements of friendship that we have to get yeah. more refined as we get older if we want to keep lasting relationships is to have these practices. Mm -hmm. So the fourth one was offer to help your friend find the resources they need. So ask them what they need. Ask them, do you need to see a counselor? Do you need to go to the hospital? Do you need to get checked out? Do you need me to do anything? Or what can I gather for you? What mm -hmm. do you need? What resources? And what can I bring you? And then let them tell you what they need. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So those were the four ways to be the most supportive friend to someone who's just been through something and needs to share about it. That's your call to action, listeners. <laughs> That's the things that we can do for each other. And we do hope that you send in your stories or call and say, hey, I'm like acting like this is a radio show. Call in callers. I'm looking at a telephone behind you. So <laughs> Live. Like, Live on Court just, FM. Hey. Hey, Sally. Yeah. Well, if you have our personal phone numbers, do call us. Yeah. If not. Email us at hello at CDA Hive. The Hive CDA. The Hive CDA.com. Yes. Um, or Instagram on Court FM, The Hive, my personal Instagram, Tiana yeah. Simmons or Melinda Cadwallader. Mm -hmm. um, there's many ways you can reach us and know that your story is so important and guaranteed that someone else has gone through something like that. Mm -hmm. and, and someone needs to know how you handled it. Yeah. How you responded. And even if it was an outcome that wasn't favorable. It's so good to know that we're not alone when we mm -hmm. have these experiences where we're practicing speaking, we're practicing taking a stand, practicing protecting ourselves and each other. It's a practice. So it's fluid, it's not static, and that's why communication is so beautiful and empowering. Yeah. So our next episode is number four and the final one of this series of the 86 list and it's called onward moving forward going up in your by body mind and spirit instead of getting stuck in a dead end of feelings or getting stuck in the trauma and having it repeat itself over and over again in your life in different ways but how are we going to move onward how can we keep going forward and mm -hmm. looking up and going up rising up yeah and i think this is going to be a big one because i can't imagine you know with especially big cases you know when women have been suppressed for years about something um about a perpetrator that did something and you know he had enough money to hide it whatever whatever mm -hmm. the situation may be and they finally get the chance they get their day in court they get to speak they get to look so and so in the eye and say you did this and this is what happened because of it and this sucks so they get, they get that. They get to say it. But now what? 
mm-hmm. you're still hurting. Yeah. So where do we go from there? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. And I'm really excited about that because that's where the healing comes is when, yeah. when you've done all the steps, you've done the practices and now, now what do you do? What, what do you do to let Another go? element of that too is the physical and how that can manifest in your body physical mm-hmm. body when you hold on to things and you're not releasing them and not moving on from them and letting them flow out. Yeah. So we'll talk about that. Yeah. yeah. We're going to heal everybody right up or at least give you some advice to yeah. do so. So thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Court of Femme with Melinda and myself. Tina. I can't wait to talk to you guys next time. See ya.